Welcome to the GovLaunch podcast. GovLaunch is the wiki for local government innovation. And on this podcast, we're sharing the stories of local government innovators and their efforts to build smarter governments. I'm Lindsay Pika Alfano, co-founder of GovLaunch and your host. In this episode, we're talking about hackathons, which are becoming increasingly popular with local governments as a way of connecting citizens, the tech community, and project stakeholders to solve civic challenges. So what does it look like when hackers come together with their local government? What types of solutions can this generate? Today, Olivia from our team is talking to Ed Blaney, Civic Technology Manager and Innovation Project Manager from Louisville, Kentucky. One of their hackathons led to an interesting outcome, a way to effectively reduce vacant building fires in Louisville. Their innovative smoke alarm pilot has now been rolled out to 150 abandoned buildings across the city. Not only could the technology itself be leveraged by other local governments, but we think using hackathons to help tackle these civic challenges is something we'll see much more of in the future. So let's dive into the concept and what inspired Louisville to take this approach. Hi, I'm Olivia from GovLaunch, and I'm here with Ed Blaney from Louisville. Ed, tell us a little bit about your role. Uh, I'm the Civic Technology Manager for Louisville Metro. I work inside of the Department of Civic Innovation and Technology. And, and my job is really, it's about digital transformation, smart cities, really kind of looking to the future about what technology is going to mean for our city, helping develop strategies around that, doing pilot projects so we can get lessons learned. So, you know, I'm really, I've been, since I've been in Louisville Metro, I've been an innovator. I've been an innovation project manager, and now I'm the civic technology manager, which I think has a little bit higher, higher level, bigger purview. Um, but yeah, that's what I do for Louisville Metro. It's a really unique job. I've never met anyone else with that title. Um, and there's still a lot of things to be defined about it, but it really is about kind of emerging technology um, strategy, looking to the future, uh, doing things like community engagement. I guess I'd say all that, right? But I really think in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a technology urban planner. And that's kind of the way I look at my job. But then you're also a project manager, right? You're doing community engagement. You fill a lot of roles, but I think it's a job that might not have the same title in other cities, but you're going to start seeing more and more because, you, you know, it I'm, I'm a government person that works on IT as opposed to an IT person that works for government. Um, so I think that's a little bit different kind of feel that IT typically has. Um, but, you know, our, our director, Chris Seit, and our chief of civic innovation, Grace Simral, they really want to, you know, kind of bring different types of thinking into IT and, and help with our innovation. Um, but then also, you know, we still got those core competency people, right, um, doing all the great work, making sure our city has a great IT infrastructure. Fantastic. Really appreciate uh, that cross sort of sectoral and experience that you were referring to in your answer. I think innovation just combines so many different assets of government. So you're definitely at the crux of it all. Uh, so your team and Louisville overall is definitely building a reputation for some pretty neat innovation across the board. So you've been engaged, as you mentioned, with residents to help address some civic challenges. I know that you were working on a hackathon specifically. Um, would love to know about how Louisville actually started to work on these hackathons. It really, I mean, it starts with our mayor, you know, coming from that entrepreneurial background. He really kind of wanted to bring new business ideas and, into government. And hackathons, right when he was kind of getting, when he was getting started as the mayor, really were kind of a, 
one of those kind of hot button things, or I guess buzzwords out there. Um, and so he wanted to kind of bring that thinking into government, kind of that iterative, agile kind of thinking about how we could do government, bringing the community in to solve problems. And so, you know, the hackathon we're here talking today about the holy, we actually called it Holy Smokes Hackathon with a local makerspace actually happened five years ago. And we've been working with this company and we'll talk more about them today. But, you know, we recently just did a hackathon. We did a lot of engagement around a smart city project in the Russell neighborhood. And uh, one of the things that came out of our community engagement was, where am I going to charge my cell phone? So we were partnered with the local GE folks to, to do a hackathon about how we could create a low cost um, cell phone charging station that we could deploy around our city and even make the plans available for uh, anyone in the world. So I think hackathons really for us is community collaborative problem solving. And it's something that we do regularly, internal hackathons, uh, working with companies, you know, working with innovators that end up creating companies off of their, their winning prizes uh, or winning projects. So for us, it's really about community uh, collaborative community problem solving. And, and we've been getting better at it over the years. We've been, like I said, I've been doing it for five years now with, with Metro. So when you talk about your hackathons, a key to success, I would think, is really getting the word out to the entire community to get that increased participation and making sure people are engaged. So when you think about right. local government, or at least when I think about local government, one of the biggest stumbling blocks that we often see is that engagement piece and getting a diverse sort of a group of people that are going to interact directly with their local yeah. government. Mm -hmm. So on your end, uh, how did you get the word out for these hackathons to make sure that you had that sort of broad participation that you referenced? Well, like, you know, I just referenced like my first hackathon and then I just referenced my last hackathon in this, the first <laughs> answer. So I've learned so much from doing this, um, from doing this work, from talking to people, to understanding a lot more about kind of, um, design thinking and the, the proper processes, right? Like how, how can you make sure that you're, you know, kind of opening up that tent, making sure you're getting as many people there, you're getting the right people there. I think it really starts number one with partnering with community partners. And that's what we've always done. Number one, our first hackathon that we did five years ago, we partnered with a local makerspace um, in, in, you know, a local makerspace that's it's community organized, right? So it's not like a fancy incubator, right? Like not a corporate incubator. These are people that, just come together. They pay 50 bucks a month to build these things. And so we worked with them and it, it's really been a great experience. This last one, you know, this, it really sprung out of our work uh, on the smart Russell project, talking to people in the Russell neighborhood. So how could you have a hackathon or, or kind of ideation session without people from the Russell neighborhood? So we actually contracted with an artist who works in the Russell neighborhood to help bring together a meeting for us, make sure that we were, you know, she's an artist, so she, this, she does design, right? But she also knows people in the community. So we really get that double benefit from, from working with her. And that's, you know, that's a, both of these engagement were paid contracts, right? We do do some stuff where it's free with people, but I feel like if it's going to be a job, we got to get, we got to pay for it. How we did it five years ago, I think we did it, we did it good five years ago, but we keep getting better and learning lessons because like this last hackathon, it wouldn't have meant anything if we didn't have people from the Russell neighborhood. And they didn't only go to the ideation session with GE first build, right? Um, they also came to the hackathon where people were creating the prototypes, right? So it's not even just, it's continued engagement with people throughout the process. One, where they're helping on the design, they're helping with the creation. And then, you know, I hope we haven't finished the product for Russell neighborhood, but they take feel ownership and take part in it. We release it to the world together um, in a way. So... I'm just really trying to be inclusive and, and do the right things. And, 
you know, I don't think we've ever been totally in the wrong, but every, I think there's always things that we could be doing better. And I think we've tried to do better since we started. That's really interesting. I think that paid engagement piece is really critical. And I know that a lot of governments are moving towards that to make sure that there are no barriers uh, to actually engage with all of these exciting projects yeah. and initiatives and consultations That's that right. local governments yeah. are offering. And so, yeah, so I think one, right, yeah, yeah, we're, so we're not allowed to like pay people to come in to work yeah. with us, right? But I mean, we give people money and if they use some of their money to you know, pay people to participate, that's, that's on them. Right. But it yeah. is, I think it's both right. The participants, right. And making sure there's food and the stuff like you're just talking about, like the stuff to be there, uh, but then also paying the people that are organizing it. Right. Which I think is so essential to it because they're really doing a lot of work and they're tapping into their community network. So in terms of hackathons, I feel like not all governments are usually keen on introducing the word sort of hackers into some of the projects and initiatives that they're doing. Yourself working in the innovation space, of course, you're comfortable with it. But was there any initial resistance to the concept of hackathons within your government from your experience? I mean, I think there's initial resistance to anything that we we usually take on, right? Even if people are willing partners, I think a lot of times we come in and we're pretty like we want, we want to change things, right? And change is always uncomfortable for people. So, I mean, I think there was with, with hackathons, but I think pretty quickly, you know, people got over the whole idea of hack, like hack and breaking in and stuff. Like they all kind of understood the concept. It's out there in the world, right? Like we didn't invent the word hackathon. They could see it other places. <laughs> they know it's, it's a positive thing, but you know, I, of course there's always a little bit of resistance and I wouldn't say it's any more than normal. Um, but it was just something that I think people got comfortable with. And then, um, it just became part of our playbook. So I want to talk about the pretty neat solution that's come from this. I mean, there's many, but the one that we really want to learn more about here today is Casper. Could you tell us a little bit more about that experience and that specific hackathon? Yeah. And I've actually got a blog post. If you go to medium.com, you go to Louisville Metro um, OPI blog, just search that. Uh, we've got something, it's called uh, using civic tech to help with fires and vacant abandoned properties. And I wrote it in April, 2016. So it was written a while ago, uh, but it kind of talks a, bit, a little bit about our experience, about how, how we, um, you know, how it kind of all came together. And, and for us, really the first one thing we found out we were working with living cities, looking at a data science model um, that was open sourced by, uh, by, or just put out into the world by New Orleans around um, fire detector engagement, looking at what are the places that, you know, they should be targeting, giving them specific kind of areas of town they should be targeting with their engagement. Um, and we had also been doing a lot of work around vacant abandoned properties. And so those two ideas kind of converged on each other where looking at the data, we saw that fires are out overrepresented. Uh, fires and vacant properties are overrepresented based on kind of their population size. So, um, you know, we started digging in more to that, right? And then we started looking into vacant and abandoned property smoke detectors, right? There's a company out of South Africa called Lumkani that creates detectors for informal settlements. There's a lot of indoor cooking in these informal settlement uh, settlements. So what happens is it detects a fire and then it's got like a, it sends out text messages to a bunch of people that are nearby, right? It's like a, almost like a network. So people nearby instantly know there's a fire at, in a structure and they should get, they should, you know, seek uh, support or seek, or, you know, go to safety, right? So we, we actually tried to bring that to the United States. It's, it, it was a little bit more expensive than I think we could have afforded. But so we knew that there were some solutions out there, but we didn't, there's no like ADT for this, right? 
And so we had to look and Ted Smith, our former chief of civic innovation, I think, but Ted had this idea that to bring together the local makers and really put a challenge around this. So that was really led by him. Um, and he, he kind of put it all together and I, and I managed the project for it. And so what we did is then we came up with some requirements, um, which was like, which is like had to work on no power, right? Because vacant abandoned properties don't have power, right? Uh, needed to be able to notify people. Need to be able to like detect a fire, right? Just like some basic things. And we just, that's what we left it at. And then I went to internal departments. I went to our emergency services department. We run uh, the, the person who ran the 911 center. I talked to, uh, he's now a colonel, but he was a major in the fire department. And then we got a local um, fire protection company. Okay. So we got three judges from those different sectors to come in and then judge this hackathon. So we gave people a week, like typically a hackathon is like two days, but we gave people a week um, to complete it. And we had five entries and we ended up with Casper and they, they actually won some prize money and it was great. And is these, is these three guys and, um, and, they ended up creating, so they ended up winning an award. And the, the basic idea behind the concept, the Casper concept, which is what we're still using now, they've, they've innovated and created a, a much better, robust prod, product, obviously. But it's instead of creating hacking the smoke detector, right, they created a device that listens for a smoke detector, right, a solar powered device that listens for a smoke detector to go off right? You stick the device in the window. It's got, it's running, it's always running a microphone algorithm to be listening for not voices or anything, just listening for that pitch, right? And then if that goes off, boom, it can send a message to our fire department. It can also send messages to nearby neighbors that can sign up for alerts. Um, well, that that's now, right? But then in the beginning, that was just that basic concept. Listens, hears, can send a message, right? And it's really kind of evolved over multiple pilots to become something much more robust. Incredible. So it sounds like you're pretty excited about hackathons just generally, right? Especially when it, you, the outcome is something like the Casper device that's extremely innovative. And it seems like it's developed over time beyond just the product that existed at the hackathon and it's constantly innovating. So it's not just a one-time solution or outcome, but rather it can uh, generate some innovation in the long-term as well. So you mentioned at the beginning that there was that clear problem statement that you identified, you and your colleagues at the beginning, and the rest was pretty open-ended. So beyond that clear problem definition, if there's other local governments that are listening here today, that like to start their first hackathon. Do you have other advice that you'd like to give them? Yeah, your know, problem statement, obviously number one. Thinking about some features that it has to have, right? Like not trying to be too prescriptive, like you have to be in an RFP, but like you know, it needs it should be something that doesn't need power, like to be plugged into a wall, right? It needs to be able to communicate those basic things, really kind of set good boundaries, and while allowing for a kind of variety of ideas also make sure that it has the core functionality you need to be a successful project finding a partner right gotta find that partner 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 um, it's really important one it helps build up those organizations and two like you just get a lot more you 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 get some of your blind spots filled in maybe right whether that's around the technical or the cultural challenges um, and it gets more people in the door and you're also supporting a community organization which is great um, Bring resources to the table, right? If you got to bring resources to the table to be legit. Sometimes, you know, it's open day to day. Maybe you're just helping doing a little bit of like in-kind stuff. You're helping organize things. Maybe you're finding a free space, right? Like sometimes it's in-kind, but if you really want to get something out of something, you want to take it 
to be something where you can make it a real thing in the world. There's got to be money either shortly after the hackathon or ideally going into it. Um, and follow up. Government innovation is all about the grind. Like I cannot, you know, at first I thought my work spirit animal was the squirrel and it kind of is still because I'm always running around with different ideas, planting seeds, seeing what comes out. But now recently I've like, I maybe it's just the tortoise, like, you know, the tortoise and the hare. It's like, if you don't stop, you get what you, you get to the place where you should be. Uh, so it's really about follow-up, staying dedicated and being kind of that person, right? It's like something cool comes out of it. Hey, what's going on, guys? How can I support you? How can I make this real? So it's a long-term commitment, which I guess can also be um, amplified by the Casper project itself, right? The hackathon was very much just the beginning of an ongoing innovative process. So beyond saving vacant buildings from fires, Louisville is busy innovating some other areas as well. What are other departments in your local government that you partner with most frequently in your current role? My number one, number one department is definitely public works. <laughs> it's definitely public works. I love public works there. I just, uh, I do, I've done a lot of transportation work with them, a lot of communications work with them. I've learned so much from them. The, the traffic engineering uh, team is, I mean, there it's, I don't know. It's basically like I'm in their department in a way. Right. And, uh, so I think public works is that department. I think they just do, like when you think of local government, I think really at the end of the day, you're thinking about public works, right? And so I love working with them. Um, they're people that do amazing things. Um, I wish we could, if there's one department I wish we could give more money to, it'd be public works other than IT, of course, which is self-serving. But uh, public works is definitely a great organization. I think they do a lot of great stuff, whether it's transportation, making sure our communications networks are working, uh, you know, just making sure our city's running, picking up the trash. They're just a great department. Well, thanks again, Ed. This was a lot of fun. I uh, really appreciate hearing all your words of wisdom today. And thanks for taking the time. I know that. Oh, no problem. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. It's always an honor to be on these things. And, and I look forward to hearing the podcast and what other people have to say on your podcast too. Excellent. All right. Take care. Bye. We hope you'll consider hosting a hackathon. This can be a great way to help engage residents and the wider tech community to come together to address challenges in unexpected ways. Thank you again to Ed Blaney for coming on to talk about his team in Louisville and their innovative work. I'm Lindsay Pico-Alfano, and this podcast was produced by GovLaunch, the wiki for local government innovation. You can subscribe to hear more stories like this wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a local government innovator, we hope you'll help us on our mission to build the largest free resource for local governments globally. You can join to search and contribute to the wiki at govlaunch.com. Thanks for tuning in. We hope to see you next time on the GovLaunch podcast.